Yeah. Well, I mean, when I first, I, I first saw in my news feed that like there were some like mega protesters at the Capitol building and they were getting, you know, pepper sprayed by, by cops and, you know, like left liberal types were being like, Oh, this is so great. Ha ha. You're now you're getting it. And like in your face kind of thing. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's dumb, whatever. And then, you know, I was doing some work and, um, I was taking my little, my little break after getting some work done and just trying to get caught up on stuff and, um, realizing that like the situation had changed quite a bit and that people were like inside the fucking Capitol building. And the takes were flying at this point. What were people saying at that point? I think people were, were confused, but, uh, the takes, I mean, the, the number one take was like, Oh, if they were black, they would have been shot by now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. pointing, pointing out that like obvious, uh, kind of, uh, difference and then the other you know the other take was like who's in on it who's going to benefit from this um i think a lot of a lot of people were right to jump on saying like no matter no matter who's behind this no matter what the uh hypocrisy is here this is going to be used to justify like another round of surveillance crackdowns yeah and then and like, like where the narrative's going and then like immediately, like the next day we get, <laughs> no, what, what was it? Like two days later, we get uh, just giant tech crackdown on, you know, multiple uh, avenues of like, you know, yeah. banning Trump, banning the sitting president from, from Twitter, removing an entire social media platform off of the app store. And then... What was wasn't there like a third thing well, too? I think it's called the the Carlos Maza Act of 2021. <laughs> they, they basically implemented what what that like center left left liberal thing has been yeah. about. Like we need the the content. This fat this stuff is happening because these platforms are allowing it to happen. Right. And now we're faced with the uh, the alternative, which is that oh wait, these resentments aren't just going to go away because they've been deplatformed. They're just going to they're creating new platforms and they're going right. there. And now, like left liberals are left in this like void where they don't have their like their Dunkachinos every day. Their Dunkachinos, you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah, like Alex Jones. I mean, there was a fucking Infowars rally in our town mm -hmm. this summer. Alex mm -hmm. Jones is off of YouTube. Mm -hmm. he's not like platform you know he's he's been nerfed on facebook but these people still exist and they are just watching it. he's he's like more directly monetizing his audience on his own platform and yeah. that's what's going to happen trump's going to make his own platform right and these and uh, i think i think the obfuscation that people are doing wittingly or unwittingly is that uh the people that showed up at the the capitol um that uh they were incited on these platforms but they're not they have like there's a whole network there's a you know people on the left have some understanding of like the the nonprofit industrial complex and how like action network works how the sunrise movement works you know they, they have email lists that they've collected over the years by like 
making online petitions about different issues and uh, collect, you know, doing all kinds of data mining. They have these people's emails. They have very, and tech phone numbers. They have very direct ways of getting in touch with these people. And so like just deplatforming them from the, the networks is not going to do shit because we have, they have millions and millions of emails of these people and they're going to be able to deploy them mm-hmm. wherever. Um, not to, not for a fascist coup or for, for a revolution, but for this kind of like right-wing network, right-wing equivalent of what Sunrise and et cetera are doing, which is like, okay, it's going to be very, it's going to generate a lot of money Mm-hmm. Um, right for these right-wing NGOs to deploy these people and to kick off culture war issues yeah. and to like build up revenues for these new right-wing platforms. Um, all the incentives are in place for these people to be used in a culture war. And I have no, you know, uh, there are people that show up that are kind of crazy, just like in Minneapolis. Like yeah. the same shit happened in Minneapolis where like, there was real resentment. There was real shit going on. Uh, nonprofits kind of, kind of were there, kind of like had framed the issue, um, but took a backseat to like Boogaloo Boys and you know True Believers, um, both who like were the the you know like Boogaloo Boys mostly got convicted of uh, burning down the police precinct. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, got, yeah it's like turning into like these crowd management spectacles, right? Where they're like, like you said, they have these like email lists. They have a roster of people who are dedicated to whatever the mission statement is, whether it be that black lives matter or, you know, whatever, um, what are some of the like slogans that are on some of the more right-wing side, you know, know, stop, stop the steal. Right, right. Yeah, whatever it is, the slogan is of that kind of group. And then they're they're taking the energy of these people who are um, like, rightfully upset with the way the world is, but they're funneling, they're channeling that all that, that energy into these groups. And then they're sort of like, dumping them in these places and, and turning it into new it's like the new version of reality television right like spectacle they they have and then they have like the news you know stations all ready to go ready to they have certain people ready there to like capture certain things and that's the thing is everyone can capture footage now and create content so now they can like take all that and turn that into spin them whatever narrative they want on mainstream news channels and and it's like they're they're literally using angry civilians to like create news content at this point to 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 like massage and manufacture the narratives yeah yeah and uh people don't even remember like if you were alive 10 years ago there were grassroots tea party people that were rightfully you know they had some like resentment about like all the jobs being shipped overseas and um, you know, life getting shittier in every single regard. And um, you know, they were true. They were, there were true believers. And then that resentment was uh, combined with like billions of dollars from billionaires into right-wing NGOs. Mm -hmm. And that, that fueled, you know, the rise of Trump. It wasn't, 
it wasn't necessarily the tech platforms not having good enough moderation. It's that billionaires are like on both on both sides as if it yeah. was binary, but like right. we have we have uh, liberal billionaires, we have conservative billionaires. Yep. And basically they just find they find the issues where people are angry and then they pump tons of money into like these NGOs that are not incentivized to actually have a revolution or deliver material gains, but are incentivized to be businesses that are like, yep. collect, you know, uh, acquiring emails, acquiring it's a business opportunity, yeah, acquiring customer emails. They deploy these people um, and create spectacles, which are then used as uh, kind of the uh, the launching pad for these campaigns. So like what we saw there, you know, it was what we saw there and not, not to draw an equivalence in terms of the, uh, the right, the righteousness of it, you know, someone getting, someone getting murdered on, you know, for no reason is a much better, re- I, I agree is a much better reason to like go out into the streets than your, you know, a presidential candidate that you liked didn't win. Um, I, I'm not drawing an equivalence between like, the reason why but the spectacle that was created is now going to be used to kick off a nationwide series of protests that don't go as far they're much more managed but it is it simply is what's going to happen and And, then yeah and anybody on the left right now who is bringing attention to the fact that this stuff is um micromanaged and boosted by billionaires and not also bringing that same critique to the left is being is either um naive and unaware or they're purposefully like spinning helping spin this narrative and protect you know yeah their their position within within the system because this same shit happens on both the left and the right. And to pretend that it's, this is only an issue for the right wing is like so dangerous. Yep. So incredibly dangerous. Yeah. And I have no fucking interest in like flipping, flipping to like supporting the state and repressing these actors, you know, and I'm not saying that they're paid actors. I'm saying like they're acting in these spectacles I have no interest in flipping as a like leftist uh, to say like, oh, well, now I'm rooting for the police to crack down on these right. people and surveil them. I'm not doing that. Uh, you know, I think my, my role, and I think you you agree with me on this, is that there are going to be people that that get disillusioned with this. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not that like, oh, I want to go join the Q, QAnon protesters at the Capitol. Right. And I want to like, show up at the Nazi headquarters and say like, Oh, I want to help, you know, I'm a, I'm a leftist, but uh, we can work together. I'm not saying that, but there are going to be people that get disillusioned and they see the money being pumped in and they're like, Oh, don't we, we like, we yell all day about like George Soros and um, billionaires, you know, taking over controlling the government, but isn't that what's happening here too? Like, well, we this, have, is a, yeah. this is a moment that's going to take mental fortitude on for people because they're going to have to see the contradictions of things, right? They're going to have to say, well, we fought all summer because we thought police were bad. Uh, And I still believe police are bad. 
But now the police are cracking down on people that I don't like, which I like. So does that mean I like police now? And they're going to have to like confront this contradiction. And they're going to have to figure out how to, how to synthesize these two concepts together and say that like, yes, the police are bad because they uphold a system that is unjust and that it's, it's not okay to use the police in this unjust system when it's for something that I like, it's going to, it's going to, it's a moment that's going to force people hopefully to confront this. Um, Otherwise they're just going to dive right back into this same sort of us versus them mentality, which is exactly what the overarching liberal ideology, the system wants you to do. And you are not challenging power. You are not helping minorities, people of color, black people, queer people. You're not, you're not yeah. helping people by just diving into that um, that easy choice that is presented to you by the system. Right. You are actually, and this is like going to be a really hard thing for a lot of people to confront. Um, I've I've dealt with a few people already on like Twitter even messaging me privately and asking me like how how do you think like shouldn't shouldn't we protect these minority communities and shouldn't we be fighting the nazis and the white supremacists and my answer is is the those people don't have any always look at who has power right and somebody said to me oh well you know the rich you know, white supremacists, you know, they have more power than da, 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 than the poor people who are probably just, and I'm like, yes, use that. Look at, look at how people's relationship with power, you know, fighting Nazis is a, it's mostly a waste of time because what even is a Nazi? What even, and that's another thing that's coming out of this is this mixing of like terms and blending of, of, how we characterize people saying like, oh, well, if you supported Trump, then then you're a MAGA person. If you're a MAGA person, then you're a white supremacist. If you're a white supremacist, then you're a terrorist. And now that that whole, you know, chain of, you know, massaging the terms has has made it so that you are okay with the government, the US government, cracking down on us citizens yeah. because now you've offered a justification for the government to basically you know attack its own people yep and that's fucking dangerous yeah and right and i think um on a related point to that is kind of that the correct sentiment that some police are like personally racist and personally many police uh supported trump voted for trump all that stuff that is true but that is that does not uh mean that the police are just going to like give up the power of the state because some of them personally most of them maybe even most of them personally agree with some of the protesters some of the sentiments uh the police are going to do whatever is optically supporting the power structure and in this case letting 
letting the protesters kind of just, you know, shamble around in the Capitol building and cause some chaos was optically the best thing to do because it, it created, it created the demand for a police crackdown on these people and a, a police, uh, line being held like i'm sure like in local smaller buildings like local government buildings and whatnot like first of all this the people won't be driven there um and if they are like it's going to be a much different spectacle yeah they they needed this this spectacle to look like crazy and real right um in order to justify the authority that the police have well and and all you have to do to to parse out this situation is to number one look at the fact that we have a trillion dollar military budget and the US Capitol building is, you know, one of the most secure buildings in our country. So obviously they let this happen. Like they let people in. Yeah. If, if they didn't want people to come in, they wouldn't have let them in. And the other thing too is like once they got there, they didn't know what to do. You know, these people didn't really have any goal in mind. They were just whipped into a, a frenzy because they're, they're, you know, the underlying conditions are shitty. And yeah. that's what drives people to things like racism and bigotry because they're so upset with, with the, the, the world that they, the way they just, they have to justify things, you know, is, is through scapegoating, which yep. scapegoating happens on both sides. So, you know, if we want to get rid of racism, we need to, we need to address systemic injustice because that's the cause of bigotry, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and the mob that was, a, I mean, it was a real mob. Like they, you know, maybe let's say there were like 20,000 people there for the event and maybe a thousand of the craziest ones uh, were prepared to like, face police violence to get into just to storm the Capitol building. And the decision was made by the police to say like, okay, this is going to be a release valve for these people. Mm -hmm. If we sh start shooting these people, the consequences are going to be way worse than if we just let them in, let them run around a little bit. And then uh, the entire country gets to like, they, they were, they were comfortable with the optics. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the same decision is made, you know, with, Black Lives Matter protests and other kinds of protests. For example, like there's that picture of the Sunrise Movement where they like took over Nancy Pelosi's office a couple of years ago and AOC was in there with them. The decision was made like, okay, like we're comfortable with these optics. We're going to let these NGO kids sit inside of her office. Right. Because because they the know they're of, not going to do anything. <laughs> at the yeah, and at the end of the day, like they know that there's that's not a, they're not really taking over power. They're taking over an, a bureaucrat's office for an hour right. and sitting inside, taking some photos, raising some money for the NGO. And then business continues as usual because well, Nancy, that, Nancy Pelosi isn't even in charge. That was another annoying take that came that I saw flying out of, you know, social media over the last few days is like comparing what was it sunrise movement sitting in mm -hmm. Pelosi's office with like AOC in the middle um, to the guy sitting in at the, at her desk um, <laughs> and, and saying like, see, we're, we're better because we're little. And like, how could you feel like that's better? Like 
how could you take pride in like the left-wing version of that where you're like oh see we're a little we behave well we don't cause a fuss you know i i don't know why the left celebrates being like such neutered little like (laughs) babies you know yeah um as someone as a like you know in coalition with central left ngos i've been part of a group that and you too that that has like taken over the uh, new york state capitol building the equivalent where taken over in heavy heavy quotes there right but the same exact thing like there was a line if people like crossed a certain line people would have gotten shot but that was the whole point it was that it was a spectacle that was a that was allowed to happen by the state and they were saying like, okay, you sure you can like come stand in the uh, the staircase and scream and take lots of photos and have a press conference. If anyone crosses a certain line, people are getting shot or people are going to get hurt. So right, I uh, mean, they made us pass through metal detectors. Right. So it's like an allowed spectacle. It's allowed as a release valve. And this this was like an uh, the next step of that. And like this is you know. They, they've completely changed the uh, the parameters for how spectacles are going to be judged now because now like left center left professional left uh, spectacles they're go- they're going to reach a certain line where they say oh well we can- you know we're not going to do what the right-wing people did we're just going to stand politely outside and voice our opinion and you know that's that's the um, they've like kind of rewritten, the uh, the rules of engagement for protests now and i've heard a lot of people talk about how like if it was black lives matter people at the capitol building that they would have been shot or whatever and there's something about that take that kind of like i can't put my finger quite on that bugs me there's something about the framing of that that feels like it's missing the context or the bigger picture or something it's like black the black lives matter protesters didn't go to the capitol building they protested all summer why didn't they go to the capitol building well i'm sure they were like physically in proximity to it they but they were not like that wasn't part of the plan to say like we're gonna storm the capitol building well why not they might they the ngos decided that it wasn't gonna be like tactically what they wanted to do and so but that the 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 right wing ngos decided that that was tactically what they wanted to do right they wanted the optics of taking over the capitol building so that that's kind of like what i'm trying to dissect here is like all of this the 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 boundaries of what's acceptable is not decided by the right wing or the left wing of these these protesters the boundaries of what's acceptable is decided by the NGOs that are leading these people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of, that kind of framing is a mystification of how these protests work and what, how these spectacles are crafted and they're designed to make you say that they're designed to point out that disparity. Um, because if Black Lives Matter had decided to storm the Capitol building, decisions would have been made about what's what's going to work out the best for everybody involved. Like what 
what's going to cause um, what's going to cause this to have a stir? And honestly, I don't think Black Lives Matter was interested in storming the Capitol building because there's nothing like it, once you're done with it, there's not actually anything. No power is being transferred or assigned. Uh, and Black Lives Matter, the nonprofit that controlled like most of the movement or influenced most of the movement, their interest was not in taking over the Capitol building. It was to like info. It was to get a meeting with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It was to, you know, drive people to vote and then like have a seat at the table. Basically. Right. It was well, a yeah. Order registration drive. The left wants to appeal to the existing power system and ask for permission. The right want wants to just use force, but has no but has no analysis of how to confront, how to right the wrongs of the system. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like the right wing billionaires that paid for the buses to get people down there and paid the NGOs to like craft the spectacle and the narrative, they don't want, you know, they want to influence policy there. They obviously want to influence like material outcomes too, but they're doing it in a, in a like a more like cloaked way i guess that's harder to harder for people to see the direct linkages but basically they want it's profitable it's going to be like reinforcing for power to um really divide like the working class and make you know stoke these like resentments for white working class people and get them to act a certain way and be a certain way and feel like that they could never uh, have something in common with uh, a black person or a you know hispanic person who's like out in the streets about police brutality the whole the goal of all this stuff is to get people to not see their fellow humanity with other working class people and to unite against the billionaires that are paying the left-wing NGOs and the right-wing NGOs, because essentially like that's, that's what's happening. It's like, they, they want a culture war. They want people yep. to feel like they don't possibly have anything in common with each other. They want people, they want different groups of people to root for the police mm -hmm. to eliminate the unruly members of other groups that right. are like essentially ostensibly working class. Right. And you know, the, what, whoever, whatever the identity is of like the paid, whether they're paid actors or whether some of them were CIA or whatever, like whatever the identity was of the people that were physically in the Capitol building, the goal of that spectacle, the way it's being framed is to get people to not trust other working class people and to say like, I don't think their, their, their humanity is legitimate. I don't think their, their um, needs are legitimate. I'm rooting for the police to like crack down on them and keep them from keep them from demanding what they want. And that's like the end goal of all this stuff is to like get people to be divided. Yeah. If the main if the main thing that you have in common with as a left-wing person, if the main thing you have in common with the right-wing person is upholding the police, then it might be time to take a hard look at your politics. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's funny, you were talking before about, um, you kind of, I forget what you said that made me think of this, but I saw a screenshot. I don't, who knows, this could be fabricated, <laughs> but um, apparently um, 
Trump tweeted from the POTUS Twitter account, the official like president of the United States uh, Twitter account and wrote about um, that, but it was like immediately deleted by tweet by Twitter, but a, a lot of people um, screenshotted it apparently, but there was something where he, he said, um, look at the possibility, looking, looking at also looking at the possibilities of building out our own platform in the near future. We will not be silenced. Twitter is not about free is not about free speech. They're about uh, promoting a radical left platform where some of the most vicious people in the world are allowed to speak freely. Stay tuned. And it's like, of course, of course, this is, I mean, if people think that the sad thing is that a lot of people saw, took in a lot of Trump's rhetoric um, as, you know, this populist rhetoric that was speaking to them, but it was, it was fake, you know, like he's just, he just said it because he knew it would, it would do well. The guy is like a pathological liar, but he said, a lo- he said a lot of stuff that like made people feel good. And I, I empathize with the people who were sort of fooled by him because a lot of the stuff he said, you know, it speaks to that populist sentiment, but all he's really, all he really wanted was to like build out his own media platform. Right. So he's setting the stage to just create his own market demographic. And he doesn't care about being the biggest fish in the pond and having the most market share. He just cares about siphoning off his own market sector. And he is happy to play with the big dogs to be that, that, you know, that antithesis to the mainstream narrative because that helps them and it helps him. So they have this So they have these like warring demographics and it just ends up helping that all of the like people in charge, it helps Trump. It helps the establishment in the long run because he he's basically just divided the market and made like a, a little it's free market competition, right? This is like, this is libertarianism 101. They love free market competition. So that's all they're doing. They're just creating mm-hmm. com- competing marketplaces. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, and keeping in mind too, that he had the second most votes of any presidential candidate in the history of the United States, like something like 70 million people voted for him. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. It's like hard, it's hard to say, but it's like uh, this whole thing. At the end of the day, it's it's creating about creating new markets and creating uh, new forms of control over people. And even if he gets, imagine if he gets like five million people on a new on a new platform. And it's so interesting. Like the people, the people that complain all day about like, oh, we're so divided now. You know, we need more bipartisan shit. They're also the people rooting for like cracking down on all these uh, all these dissidents, and that's just driving them further into like further and further and down these like rabbit holes of like having this new platform. I don't know what the answer. I mean, the answer is like having a u- universal platform that like helps everybody and gets everyone like on the same page together, but that'll never happen. So, so all we're, all we have now are just like these competing fandom models where like leftists are now in the position, many of them are in the position of saying like, 
we need to crack down on 74 million people for voting for the wrong person. I don't have anything in common with them. They're fascists. They need to be put in camps or like deprogrammed. Uh, they need to be like shown Parks and Rec episodes until hmm. their behavior improves. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the only the only solution is going to be like some kind of universalist platform, uh, and we're getting further and further away from that. So I, you know, there's there's a crazy alignment realignment happening right now, and just like stay tuned. What's the realignment that's happening now? Uh, well, left people on the left and liberals are now flipping into the side of being in, in favor of the police state to crack down on lo uh, local terrorism. Yeah. People are, people are now uh, on the side of the state. You know, yeah. the state has the same exact powers and the same in functionally the same exact uh, ideology that it had for the last four years, but now we're in favor of it. So, you know, kids in cages, uh, sending in the National Guard to protests. Th these are all good things now. Um, these are anti-fascist actions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. People really have to understand that fascism is not what they think it is from looking in the history books. Like, they're... The people who act the people who openly tell you that they're white supremacist or, or fascists or racist are fucking idiots. Like they're marginalizing themselves and yeah. you, you don't really have to worry about these people. Right. And, and a lot of people are like, Oh, I got harassed by this, that, and the other that's because you're provoking them. Stop fucking provoking these people because they're, they're, they're really just marginalizing themselves. They're not going to gain any power by openly talking like bigots or racists or whatever. That's not how you gain power in the U.S. anymore. The way you gain power in the U.S. is by putting pronouns in your bio and by being woke. This is the language of power now. So if you think that like some idiots who are being like outwardly bigot, bigoted and stupid are somehow a threat, this like massive threat, then I'm sorry, but you're like, you're, you're a little bit delusional. You're lost in this like kind of fantasy world where you're, you're fighting the bad guys. You're like in this Marvel DC universe where you're fighting, you're, you're fighting the bad guys of Gotham and it, it's like stupid. It's a waste of time. If you're getting provoked by Nazis, then you're doing something to provoke them and just stop because it's not worth your time. It's really not worth your time. Yeah. I, I just don't know, like on the, in, on the individual level, like there's nothing you can do because I think, I think people just don't, don't understand how the third sector of like civil society, both on the left and the right, uh, is controlling everyone and dictating the terms of engagement. And I don't see the point in saying that you're anti-fascist or fascist. It's all like, it's all upholding the existing order that is not working out for anybody. And my, my only hope is that um, 
I think some people are going to start looking into like, you know, people are already framing what happened in Washington, D.C. as uh, dark money Republican groups, you know, incited this thing. And my only hope is that this will be a gateway for some people to start thinking about how money is uh, dictating the terms of engagement here. And these NGOs are being run as businesses to like basically collect people's information and to spur them into certain actions that are framed a certain way. And then they work hand in hand with media networks um, and influencers that promote the actions of these NGOs. Um, and that's what's happening with Trump. He's building his own media network. It's no different from like, you know, just an example. And this is not, to, this is not as big as like what Trump's going to do, but like how the Young Turks and Democracy Now cover the actions of Sunrise Movement and People's Action and the Black Lives Matter nonprofit. These are media networks that work hand in hand with NGOs to manufacture consent and to frame issues a certain way. Um, so if we, if we look at that on the right-wing side, there are gonna be like all kinds of right-wing NGOs. They're gonna be covered by Infowars and Trump's network and OAN. Uh, to frame issues a certain way and to like manufacture reality for people and to get them to act a certain way. And there's no like, there's no easy answer to this, but to like study, <laughs> study what's going on, try to opt out and try to like find other people that are, that become disillusioned. And it's going to happen on the right wing side too. Like many people are going to become disillusioned with how they're being used. And you know, those are the, those are the, the most like, those are the people that we need to, that we all need to find and uh, say, yeah, it's bullshit on the left too. Like a lot of the left wing stuff, the way it's framed is because some billionaire thought it was a good idea and wants to use it as like a culture war item. Hmm. And these are the people that we need to find and it's going to explode. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I, I tweeted yesterday about, um, Q people and, and, and saying that I have nothing but love and solidarity for all my Q brothers and sisters out there. And I mean it because, um, I've talked to Q people and a lot of people will say, Oh, they're brainwashed. They're, you know, it's a, it's a cult and whatnot. I mean, it's all a cult, right? Everyone's it's, brainwashed. <laughs> everyone is fucking brainwashed. Including I us. I can't even go on Facebook. It's like so brutal right now. But I see more opportunity with these folks because, you know, this one tweet that was screen captured and retweeted by some podcast that's on Means TV. And they say, uh, we looked, uh, somebody who is a Q person said, we looked for an alternative to the fake news. We found Q. Q was also fake, but it brought us together and brought us hope. And I'm like, there's so much potential there because this person is being so honest because they realize that the news is bullshit, which it is. They yeah. know it's lying to them, which it is. They looked for an alternative, which is a good thing. They found they found Q, which offered them solutions, offered them answers. Um, they they realize that that's also fake. Good. I'm glad. You know, they're using their common sense. They're using their you know 
this shows hope for people that they're like they're realizing that like it was just yet another thing that like lied to them and bullshitted them and people are like ready for you know to band together they're like it brought us together and brought us hope that like shows me that like people are ready to like come together and find solutions outside of mainstream media outside of what those people who are in charge are telling us um and i i mean to any anybody out there who's listening who who knows people who are you know in QAnon or or if anyone listening is in QAnon or formerly in QAnon like let's let's like get together and figure this shit out because it's not serving the left or the right is not serving anybody it's just you know two arms now of this giant structure that's fucking us all in the ass (laughs) you know yeah and same with like people that you know who were really into russia gate stuff and were like tweeting every day about um about the Mueller report and Mueller coming to save us all and randy rainbow you know singing about the Mueller report some of those people are having like post nut clarity right now and they're (laughs) like wait a second like trump we're trump's about to serve like every single day of his term and nothing like I was like in this this crazy world for like a couple of years talking talking about Russia, and maybe like, you know, what why why was this this thing constructed and why why did it become an obsession for people? It's because people are people in all areas of life, including like petty bourgeois people, and temporarily embarrassed people, and downwardly mobile people, and people that are like working class and don't see any way that they're going to get a leg up. Everyone's disaffected. Everyone's looking for an an, an easy answer to it. Mm. And the options presented to us suck. And a lot of them are like wrapped up in conspiracies and wrapped up in like these ulterior, ulterior motives that get us to distrust and hate each other. But then in the day, like, every, you know, I have solidarity with anyone that's like disaffected and looking for, looking for a reason why and i might not agree with like what about patriots fans though oh fuck them (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) even them even them (laughs) you know they're they're just like uh, a billionaire has sold them a false bill of goods and uh the patriots fans yeah you know like robert Kraft (laughs) is a a billionaire the owner of the patriots and like he uh you know that's a good metaphor honestly like it these sports teams are like these regional mm-hmm. methods of control mm-hmm. um, controlled by billionaires yep. and they get people to like act a certain way. It's a, it's not a bad metaphor. Just, just in our country, like we have like two or three um, sports teams. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Well, then there's like all the little minor leagues too, right? Like, right. are you in sunrise movement? Or are you in uh DSA, are you in this? Are you in that? Working families party. Are you in QAnon? Are you in uh, what are some of the right wing ones? The Sam Sam Party. The Sam Party, yeah. Yeah. The Independence Party. Yeah, is it that that is a good metaphor. These are minor league teams and they're part of like a larger network. Mm -hmm. And like you can watch uh 
you know, you can read like The Ringer or something, which is like a very left liberal um, publication, or you can you can be a stoolie, be like a barstool sports person, which is like <laughs> more conservative and small business stuff. It's all the same shit, yeah. you know? It's fandom culture. Yeah, I think I think this fandom shit. I think I think it uh, holds some water. Yeah, it's right. Not a bad, not a bad way to analyze stuff. Um, yeah, helps helps understand helps people understand too. Like with AOC, you know, like that's a great example of somebody who is. Uh, has a mastery of fandom culture and Stacey Abrams too. Mm-hmm. Like they're using the same exact tactics to gain people's like personal loyalty to them and to basically like, you know, build their personal brand. But, and then when people attack them, uh, they get, they get their fans to attack back and, it's all like it's all just getting further and further away from the reason why we elect these people or the reason why these people are in these roles of power is that they're supposed to like redistribute stuff to everybody and you know try to be fair to everybody but instead we treat them as like oh you know you're my you're my mommy now and uh mm-hmm. anyone that's mean to mommy i don't like anymore <laughs> Now for part two, our interview with Guy Debord Funko Pop, aka Johnny Socialism. It's very, very scary, actually, the way people are reacting to these latest events. Um, it, it is uh, a moment that we're having here that is. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of us saw it coming a mile away, but it's also like it's uh scary to reckon with that it's here and that it's being like you know silicon valley uh imperialism and authoritarianism is being like warmly embraced by the synthetic left and the anarcho biden bidenism well because you get this this binary right of the the state so you you think that all of the problems that exist are in the state and then you throw yourself against it um and and negation of the state um but then like if you actually go to like try to think about like what you know what constitutes the state in an anarchistic way right it's not it's not it's people right Mm. it's it's people you know if you're like it's people with you know ghosts in their head right you know they're they're following um you know following illusions and, Mm -hmm. and and there's a there's a tendency that wants to say like okay well if we just get rid of like the state which you know it's like you know you could think of it's the same as like the the interpersonal psychology of the 60s right if you just get rid of the ego then you come to like the cosmic consciousness right Mm. it's the same kind of um your mindset if we just um clear out the 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 you know this the state and these particular actors than this autonomous free-flowing um desires of of um you know anarchism can can emerge from the ashes yeah but 
like every single one of those people come from a capitalist society yeah and they have within them like and you think about yourself as so separated right like and not understand how you are how you were created through capitalism so it's like we don't want to go we don't want a reaction to move away backwards to Uh feudalism or to like anarcho-primitivism or to some like non-symbolic magical free-flowing order we want a more rational symbolic order right that's capable of dealing with multitudes of scale past just you know a plus one yeah i think there's like a certain utopianism that that is inherent in this and that you know what you're saying like there people have the ideology baked into their brains we're all capitalists subjects of capitalism and we're not going to just flip a switch and all of a sudden everything is going to be this socialist utopia or anarchist utopia it's just not going it's 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 moving away from reality this idea that we you know i i think what you're describing is this anarchist sort of fever dream where we're just i, I don't know it's it's and maybe it's like a just a huge cope by these people who it's, it's um it's it's a it's a libidinal yeah vital energy that's why there's there is like something really really um you know something there you know something vital there like anarchists will always Hmm. reappear i think you know they'll never not be anarchists is that that is that why they're always like sexy gun girls with big titties (laughs) it's it's, there's always a yeah yeah there's there's always a desire (laughs) to uh move towards uh this like rebel um, commodified like against the totalized order so yes that is why you know the rebel without a cause yeah gun girls with big, with big titties yeah gun girls with big titties and they're all and they're all mad at their parents and they're all sort of like right. yeah. there's, there's this sort of like you know you go into like there's this id libidinal force you mm-hmm. know and it's, it is like you know the, fuck you dad yeah you know, we're the good of that right and um you know, and I, I am the dad now, you know, so <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, it's something that I, I have to think about, like how I'm not, you know, replicating those same sort of um, hmm. structures that I dealt with, um, you know, as, a, as in my parent-child relationship. Um, and, you know, so I've, I've, you know, thought about it on that sort of in a personal level. And then, um, you know, coming out, you know, I, I see like, the way that I was relating to myself against the state as an anarchist is like um, against throwing myself against this imaginary order, right? Mm. Uh, rather than looking at like what are the what are the like concrete material conditions that we're dealing with, and so I was very I, I really liked I was almost it was um, my anarchism and in some sense was a like a religious view, mm. um, and that post left anarchy um, sort of. Uh, Delusian, non-fluid subject does sort of lend itself to um, a kind of unseen religiosity, mm-hmm. um, and and trying to um, it's like a whack-a-mole with the with the subject, right? So you you know you you, um, 
you push the subject down and then it, it reappears as symptoms. Yeah. And um, that's sort of what's happening um, with this sort of radicalism that is only seeing itself in the anger Bauker relationship against the state, which mm. the state is this um, reified abstraction created by rational human thought. Do you think you'd run for office again? I am. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm considering it, you know, I, um, I wouldn't necessarily um, totally negate that possibility. Um, I, it's also, you know, I, I'm sort of at a crossroads with it, whether um, that's the next stage. I feel like um, it's, it is necessary to exist within the symbolic realm and not just the imaginary. And I feel like right now our politics are completely spectacular within yeah. the imaginary. And this project for me was about putting dipping my finger just one pinky to <laughs> the symbolic order yeah and and then allow it to ripple out and see what we can create from that yeah um, well it's so interesting to like look at your your campaign and how you run and, and these little anecdotes about dsa literally working against you to support the um establishment democrat um who was given, who was um, receiving, um, she didn't receive anywhere near this amount of money in her last campaign, but she was receiving money from Amazon, Microsoft, yeah. Boeing, yeah. Paul. Like, you well, know, I, DSA yeah. was super interested with my campaign, but Amazon and Microsoft and Boeing were. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's, we need to uh, start creating a political movement that, um, is getting their interest, not yeah. the interest of, um, you know, whatever, you know, people that want to just um, argue amongst themselves incessantly forever um, right. and constantly tear each other down. And, um, you know, uh, and, yeah. and, and part of that is it's not a, a value judgment on the people within those organizations because there's a lot of, and, and that's the same Democrats too. Like I was sure. telling you, my grandma's Democrat, she's one of my favorite mm -hmm. people. But um, you know, it's not a value judgment on that. It's just the way that the system that we're in, um, you know, directs our, our flows of desires and energies. Right. Yeah. I, it's interesting because like we, um, Alex and I have, I think that was sort of our first uh, entrance into um, the political sphere before we ever considered ourselves socialists or leftists. Um, we were just more sort of left-leaning, I guess, and we got involved. You know, Bernie was somebody who kind of spoke to me more than other politicians, and we got involved with local politics and even, you know, congressional-level politics and um, realized how much of a crock of shit it all is. <laughs> and it was, it was like, you know, kind of the first radicalizing experience, but... There've been, I mean, there've been things since then that have deepened my, my level of radicalization and, and learning how much there's so many things that you have to sort of encounter um, to crack through the, the layers of, of facade and bullshit that are out there. Um, Cause electoralism is one. And then you, 
I guess the next phase is getting to like doing just activism, you know, outside of electoralism. And you start to realize like, oh, wait a minute, this all feeds back into the same machine. Right. It's it's all- the off, that's just the off years. You know, you go yeah. to the electoral machine for every four years and then it, it alternates between the two. And then it, it's like everybody, as soon as electoral, it's like, <laughs> I, was, I, I really love that moment where it's like, okay, Biden wins and all the, all the um the rad lips were like okay now we're gonna we're gonna push it left and now it's uh-huh. time for the real direct action and, and no you you've emotionally no. invested yourself in his success yeah you you have you have uh you know laid you know part of your identity in that project that and that is exactly it sweaty that <laughs> that's exactly nail on the head is what what happens is people invest part of their identity into whether it's electoral organizing or mutual aid or whatever kind of stuff is it becomes this sort of experience where they've tied their identity to this thing and it becomes much harder for them to critique and see the flaws because they're like no this is this is a part of who i am now and by saying that this is bad that means that this experience that I felt in this, this, you know, this moment where I felt like I was part of something bigger than myself was actually total bullshit. And I just got used. And, and, you know, I think that this is like the, the thing that we have to confront a lot is that a lot of people are hitting that wall or they're turning around and doubling down and they're putting the blinders back on. And you right. know what? Fuck, fuck those people who put the blinders back on. Hey, I'm, I'm always here if they change their mind, but they're not, they're of no use to me. And I think that's where like the rad lib types are is they either haven't hit the wall yet or they hit the wall and they're like, they don't, they're doubling down. I have no time for those kinds of people. I'm ready for the people who've hit that wall and are ready to like confront reality as it exists right now and, and look to the future. Like you said, look to the future, take what we can from the past learn the lessons that we can from the people who've come before us, but realize that like, they don't have the fucking answers either. Cause otherwise we would have been there. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's, it's the, the entire thing is still the way that it is. Right. So, um, you know, and it's very easily to, you know, it's very easy to fall into sort of a nihilism from that, mm-hmm. which then leads into that sort of like Malthusian kind of anti-human sentiment. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it, it's important to, um, I guess, really come down to like, what, what is the, the, what's, what is real in, in like the political realm mm. and just not much, <laughs> um, but it's, um, the desire for things to get better. Yeah that's that's the the heart of the issue and that desire is um stripped from people Mm. over and over again um ritually and intentionally yeah um that you know it comes to a point where people do they turn reactionary they turn in um look for um you know other you know solutions that don't have to do with human subjectivity all and altogether maybe they, you know, think that, you know, they start 
thinking that they're going to be transhuman or like you know trying to look at other like material right they go inward they yeah yeah no i think that we need to be really just like brutally honest and brutal brutally critical of everything around us which I, I also realize is going to get even harder now with the, le- the new level of like censorship that we're entering, um, where people who are critical of the system are just going to, they're going to have the hammer come down on them faster, well, harder. Yeah. So we could not be ultras and not like, <laughs> like maybe like um, less like, guillotine memes and um you know like uh just like casually you know talking about violence and yeah. stuff you don't mean you know like right people like you're not you don't need to flex to you don't gotta lie to kick it you know you don't gotta flex like you just <laughs> like you know you can um you can you know be um, have like a revolutionary point of view and value human life because I feel like that's yeah. the that's the crux of why I um you know was drawn to um, revolutionary thought to begin with mm-hmm. is that only, um, was uh, I think to the intrinsic value of human life and I, human activity and yeah. I'm going to take a leap and say that I think most people are that same way that they're drawn to this um, radicalism or revolutionaryism because they care, you know, and I see a lot of people on Twitter who have this sort of facade of being very cool and, you know, disconnected and not, well, not disconnected, but sort of like too cool for school kind of embracing that absurd absurdity that ultra attitude but i'm like these people they care like, i gotta make sure i don't go too much into geekboard funko pop and uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little little grounded and don't just become like a you know another um another ghost in the machine you know right um, yeah well i mean we're it's it's an uphill battle because we're constantly on these platforms facing like you know we're, our, our humanity is getting severed from us. Like you were saying before, we're just sort of an, av- an avatar or a curated sort of brand. So it's hard to lean into, like go against that and be like real and earnest and say things that, you know, might lose you some followers or whatever, you know, like the incentive is in the total opposite direction. Um, I, I think it's okay to like, that's, that's one thing is like, everybody's scared shitless to make any mistakes. Yeah. And so like, you want to be like the perfect radical, right? Yeah. The perfect, you have to have like the perfect, um, and then people just get burnt out. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be perfect. You never can, you know, you can never, um, you know, match up to everybody else's idea of what like the most radical thing is. And, um, you know, like sometimes, you know, like you're just like, you got to go to work and like try to like exist as a as a person um within this system right and trying everybody trying to pretend like they have the the perfect like uh radical lifestyle um you know one thing it's been like 
really clarifying is like no we're all just like we're all just these little like microphone and cameras in our rooms now <laughs> with like stuff behind us it's yeah. very like flat it's like flattening effect of everything yeah. um where um you know it's uh yeah it's gonna be even harder to um maintain human subjectivity in this kind of space and um so it's um going to take like new new thinking and new um and old, old thinking you know going back to you know just um just thinking it's gonna mm -hmm. take thinking you like everybody totally. wants and that's the thing it's like act and there's this uh um you know the Taoist notion of, of wu wei um it's like action non-action um and you know uh that sometimes you know it could, not acting is an act in itself yeah and so maintaining some level of, of self-control self-restraint yeah and and thinking things out and not just being wrapped yeah. up in the spectacular cycle yes and what's who's the new character of the day is it <laughs> right no i know that out. like everybody's everybody's like starting to see like this mode of production right now even mm -hmm. like you can just like everyone's just like with the like a beat dad everybody's just like yeah I, there's like a twitter thing another one i don't give a shit it's right about being, you know and being dad yeah <laughs> and, no yeah. i think you're exactly right it's like people just need time to think they need to just sit with their own thoughts and you know a lot of people are like, what are your, you know, they'll say, what are your thoughts on this? Who thinks this? What does so-and-so say about that? Stop worrying about like what other people think about things. You know, already you inherently know you have like the qualities inside of you to make this all happen and make sense. I, you know, I think that like socialism is inherently the way human beings are meant to be. So if you just sit in your room and you kind of reflect on your own thoughts about things, you know the answers already. You don't need people, but we're so conditioned to like say, oh, well, I need to know so-and-so's opinion and so-and-so, and we're just constantly distracted. And we never have time to just sit and think with our, you know, our own thoughts, our own reflections on like, oh, that media I just consumed or that conversation I just listened to. What, how did, what were my thoughts about it? What was that one person? Did they say something that I kind of, that made me think about this or that? And what are, what are my thoughts? What's my own synthesis of what I just heard on this podcast, or I just heard on this, you know, news stream or whatever, and sort of coming to your own conclusion, because I think that we all have that ability baked into us, but we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're detached from it constantly. We're distracted from it constantly you know, there's a, there's there, um, if you're having a politics that are human focused, you're going to, um, you're going to encounter issues of race and of sexuality and of all of the, um, the superstructure of epigenetic phenomenon that is, is occurring. Um, but that's, that's, if we go look at what, the basis of epigenetic phenomenon and what the basis of the superstructure is, it is the material substrate. So ultimately, um, yes, we need to, um, we can talk within the cultural 
realm, but we have to take this and apply it materially, which is part of why I think that it's necessary to apply um, the search for universality politically um, through, um, the, you know, through the formation of, of a political party. I'm with Puget Sound Socialist Party, but we also, uh, my candidacy was um, supported by the South Sound Green Party, um, the Progressive Party, but really um, being less concerned about, um, is it my team? Is it, you know, right. it's, it's like this, this inner drama with DSA is, is another, you know, it could just very easily become another, um, you know, kind of petty thing when um, really what I'm trying to say is, is like, we need to create um, a, a symbolic order that is, can be in a symbolic space that is um, attempting to go beyond capitalism. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, really trying to reach, um, you know, you're not trying to reach different demographics. You're, you're, you're aiming at a universal goal. Yeah. You're not, you're not saying it's not, oh, I'm trying to cater to, 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 you know, to the racists. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I'm, I'm putting forward a universal goal that, um, that would, you know, been, that I think that mo everybody would see a benefit into. Yeah. And I um, think that this is where, uh, leftist online kind of they have this very uh, fearful response when they hear people talking like this like I'm not and I just want to stay very say very clearly like I am not saying like uh, if you're a marginalized person you need to like march down to the local Nazi party meeting and say hey Nazis <laughs> uh, you know I'm here and I'm queer and I'm I'm ready to uh, work <laughs> alongside y'all like I'm not saying that I am saying like uh there are like basic thing. There are basic things that make sense to people that are like not in the like leftist spaces already. There, there are things that make sense uh, to people that aren't like self-identified leftists, and people are angry. You know, these things that make sense they make people angry, and they're like they're not going to like do progressive stack. Maybe they're going to be angry. They're going to want to show up for something, and like you can talk. You can like find these things. If you're in a community and you're like listening, you can find these issues and you can get in there and like build trust with people and like build bonds and some, it might pay off someday, it might not, but like, it's better than what we're doing now. You know, and that's, that's the, the problem is we've allowed um, ourselves uh, to be um, defined by people's characters of us. And it's almost like there's mm. this, this, like, you know, the, um, you know all these social justice warriors and then so yeah. it's like oh yeah i'm a social justice paladin and <laughs> you know you're just um you're you know you're feeding um this opposition that is uh it's a contradiction that's just an illusion so rather than just constantly chasing this like aesthetic uh you know dichotomy you can go and say like well what you know i mean we do this all the time you know like people do this every day you know and they're you go to work and you work with people that don't i mean i i mean this isn't for everybody like a lot of people you know go to work and they um work with people that aren't like them right. you know and you um will find moments of solidarity with people yeah. 
um, that are just on the basis of your shared experience and that space, that shared struggle there as like workers, right? Um, but like, there's a sense in which that 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 shared experience, there's a universal, like, that's why, um, you know, that's, we want to get to the balance. We don't want workerism where we're fetishizing workers as another um, identity to be tacked on to a chain of endless like a chain of signifiers, but rather speaking to what the actual needs that people have are. So like I was serving a function as a political figure to put forth ideas and not just my personality mm. and putting forth my ideas. I didn't want um, to superimpose those upon the community. So I went in and I spoke with, um, and I spoke with um, native leaders and I spoke with, tried to get, um, you know, a balanced take from people within my community of all the different needs and how they aren't being met within the current structures, um, how, um, you know, within DSA and within the Democrats, for example, um, we had a candidate um, who was not, wasn't a, from the DSA, he moved here and raised about $200,000 off of Twitter and was endorsed by oh, our- Is that Josh? It's Joshua Collins, yes. <laughs> um, so that's- that's Wait, that was, that was in your area? That was in your, the race yep. that you ran in? Same, same ballot, yep. Wow. Wow. And so I, uh, you know, there was a sense of which it was like, well, they're doing this entire like virtual, like not real, totally like ethereal signifier campaign. Like what if we didn't take people's money and then just explicitly ran a campaign on forefronting these issues and on the symbolic content and getting these ideas out and then having like a platform to issue antagonistic statements and, you know, to, to generate struggle, right? To, to kind of be the one that's, that's carrying the narrative forward rather than just reacting to it. So to be both cause and effect. Um, and, you know, that, that is that sort of project, I feel is like what, what we need to move towards. And, um, you know, I obviously wasn't super successful in mine. We ran during a pandemic, but, um, I did um, get more votes than Joshua for Collins, who spent $200,000, ran for two years, and um, was in the same area. Well, he had so, a, I mean, he had to get set up with like a gaming keyboard and a nice chair and stuff like <laughs> that. Like, did you see that whole thing? That he, like the oh, money, yeah. some of the money was spent on like fancy, like gaming equipment and shit. Yeah, I, there's, yeah, I, I could go in. You know, like I, I think he's often hiding now, but yeah, there's, there's a lot. Well, he had to, that... he had to play. Uh, what's that game with the AOC? The oh, he, he wish. I mean, he wishes he could have done yeah. that. What's but... that? What's that game <laughs> among, called? Among, among us. us. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the the thing I think the thing with Joshua Collins attracts along with uh, many people, who hopefully some people who are getting alienated uh, by how the mode of leftist politics is that Joshua Collins was the same, same school of thought as like Mike Gravel or something where it's like, I just, I'm just going to be epic online and own the chuds and money will come in and I'll build this cult of personality around me. And then that'll translate into mater the material 
after I've like won on this digital battleground, um, it like it raises money. It definitely works. Like I I gave like I made a four dollar twenty cent donation to Mike Gravel um, because it was so <laughs> epic and funny and you know great for fundraising. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the thing it's a of, business for consultants to like raise money, but it uh, yeah. The thing about yeah, Gravel though was that the at least those teens did put together a very progressive platform that I you know. I, I mean, I mean, the point behind it wasn't that we were like, oh my God, this is so cool. This appeals to my, I mean, maybe a little bit, but it was, it was a, uh, a more progressive platform than Bernie had put out. And it's, it, it was good to have that pressure. I, I don't know. I mean, but it wasn't any real, it was actually like bad for the platform because it was so epic. And it was like people so didn't like, take it seriously. Well, yeah, I think it actually is like undermining to the goals. Yeah, of, maybe for, at this Trump, point. It's farce, right? So you have like he's almost the, like the the simulacra of Bernie, right? So he's like the 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 form emptied of of or the con yeah form emptied of content, um, where it's it he didn't have uh, there wasn't a ground game that went on it. So it very much was you know that the. the a very astute observation to, to draw Joshua Collins to Mike Gravel because um, it was exactly that, except for people on the ground were expecting Joshua Collins to have an actual campaign. And they were also, you know, he had uh, convinced all of these people within the Democratic Party that um, he was running a real campaign. And, you know, there was people that had stepped out of the way to allow him to do what he was doing. Um, which, you know, um, and, you know, personally having known some of these people would have been real candidates potentially, you know, could have, have won and, you know, you know, there's a, a whole, you know, there's everything else that goes into the overdetermination of somebody running within the Democrats, but would have been a better situation than what ended up, which was that wasn't really a real campaign. They weren't really running anything on the ground. They, they, they siphoned, you know, 250 something thousand dollars from the working class and put it directly into their, their personal bank accounts. And those of their, like, their, like six friends that ran that campaign. Yeah. How I mean, many, how many gaming keyboards did you buy? <laughs> um, well, uh, I just, it, it's, it's, it's not so much of a keyboard as it's the whole like VR um, interface. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like to get in there and really experience it. So, <laughs> you know, I took them by surprise. They weren't expecting me. And I got to um, call out um, who's going to be the next, it's a city council member here who's going to be in the state legislature for position two. I got to call her out for um, voting for tear gas, um, the use of tear gas on our city council, um, call her out face to face directly. That was pretty great. Um, but then it was really elucidating too, because there was like a, a tax forum um, that DSA held, and they had uh, some NGO was running it forum, and they invited all of the you know the candidates for position two, including the like conservative Democrat, but didn't invite me. Um, even though I was running, it was a LD22 forum. It's the same district, but they, um, they had basically had agreed and had 
you know, agreed with the local Democrats that, that my, my campaign was off limits. And so I had, I had some contact lists from my Bernie, you know, organizing and um, I, I, you know, I reaching out to some of those contacts um, that were like Democratic Party members, there was always this like, sort of like, scared tone, you know, like, uh, you know, like, I've been told not to get involved with this. Hmm. Um, but I wish you luck, you know, kind of thing. And, um, you know, it was just, it was very telling, because uh, like, it's like, here's a real opportunity um, where, you know, people in power certainly saw that there was like an actual campaign, there was something that could happen. Um, there was, there was an energy momentum and a window but everybody who um, is busy fighting each other over whether they're going to have a career um, in the nonprofit industry and whether they're going to get the seed or that seed or work at um, in this, you know, one of these, everybody's trying to work for some like phone banking nonprofit or like, um, you know, I just, yeah, you learn, you learn there is a whole industry around um, the production of meaning yeah. and the, um, the production of conflict and that that industry has taken the place of the communist and socialist movement in America. Yeah. And that an intentional thing put forward by billionaires like the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation. Yeah. Like there, there's actual people that we can we can point to. If you can't if you can't like explain to someone that is in your own community that's like a few doors down that isn't uh you know isn't self-iding as a leftist if you can't explain to them like the pertinence of something and i'm not saying like oh you have to everyone has to be a door-to-door salesman and uh (laughs) you know explain everything to everyone all the time just pitch pitch socialism all the time but like something like something like degrowth in my opinion is like or any, you know, anything, like, if you can't explain it to a normal person, then, you know, we have to, like, kind of be critical about, like, how much time am I spending on this thing? And is it really worthwhile? You know, if it, it, I think it's a problem if you don't have any, like, idea of, like, oh, someday I may have to, like, talk to someone in, in my community about this, this thing that I'm passionate about. And you're a socialist, like, that that's kind of concerning, I think. Well, there's no ideological foundation. That's the thing is like nobody knows how to talk about this stuff because nobody, there's no ideology behind it. It's just whatever you feel like doing, you know. Like, it's, yeah, it's this all- is a critique of the DSA. Yeah, it's just vibes. It's yeah. just vibes. Yeah, exactly. You've been listening to the Space Commune podcast. I'm Fox. I'm Alex. And we've been talking to Johnny Socialism, um, Johnny Mead. Johnny Socialism is my my Twitter handle. You can follow me there. Um, if you look deeper, you'll find that I am um, also a political figure and um, do things in the real world that are not on the internet. Um, so I encourage people to, or if they are interested, um, I will make them do the lead work. But yeah. oh, you mean you're not one of those people who's like you know terminally online who's like just just critiquing things as a keyboard warrior and i i so very much am not but i also <laughs> try to be a regular human being too and have to unplug and um and uh kind of check myself so i'm very aware of how very online i am <laughs>
good. It's a good balance.